I would recommend uh, that people really just pause. Take a second or two before you say send or, you know, retweet or what have you. Because if you give yourself a second or two to think, hmm, is this, you know, is this just something that supports my, you know, belief system or it sounds so crazy that I just, you know, it's funny. Um, if you give yourself just that second, you may decide this could be fake. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, as they discuss all things ORAU through interviews with our experts who provide innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, how we're impacting an ever-changing world, and our commitment to our community. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to Further Together, the ORU podcast. Dr. Tiffany Connor, thank you for joining us today. Um, Jenna and I are looking forward to chatting with you about um, fake news and gullibility to fake news and all of the interesting work that you're doing with, um, you've done with Penn State University, I should say. So before we get started, though, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to ORU. Right. Thank you very much for having me today. Um, I'm excited to speak with you all about the fake news and the research I'm doing with Penn State. A little bit about me. Um, I did come to ORU in 2015. Uh, before that, I spent about uh, 20 years in academia um, between um, two state universities and one private university. In both places, or all three places, I was an academic librarian, and I worked with um, people from all different subject areas, chemistry, engineering, all the social sciences, and education, and business, even uh, nursing and uh, medicine. So quite a, a breadth of experiences. Um, I do hold a PhD in educational psychology, and I focused on um, adult learning in that program. Uh, some of my subject matter expertise areas are educational psychology, obviously. Um, I worked a lot in digital development of libraries, so for shorthand, that's digital libraries. Okay. Um, I worked a lot in sociology and information science. I spent um, a fair amount of time managing grants uh, for statewide projects and regional projects. So um, all of that combined sort of led me to what I'm doing with Penn State uh, and my absolute interest in the information science side of things and information literacy. That's really what drove my uh, connection with Penn State because of the topic of fake news or you know, fraud informatics. Right. So teaching people about fake news to recognize it, uh, teaching people, you know, about the different types of online frauds. Um, so that's kind of where my interest in that uh, sort of research exists or where it came from. Okay. And in, you know, in this day and age, as you know, um, in this day and age, gullibility to fake news, awareness of what is fake news, fraud informatics, et cetera, is mm -hmm. really critical um, put in all aspects of life, but, you know, especially around, you know, political issues and, and that sort of thing. So talk a little bit about the work that you've done um, 
with Penn State University around all of these issues? Certainly. Um, so I, so far I have done um, basically three projects with them. We started with um, the ODRD program the, um, and we did a phase one conversation and we brought Dr. Don Juan Lee down to Oak Ridge and we discussed the, the potential, the possibility of working together on um, a project related to fake news. Okay. And we, in the conversation, we had so many ideas that we really had to focus on narrowing things down. And we got together and wrote a white paper, um, you know, and we submitted it to NSF. Now, we're lucky because Dr. Lee had previously served as a, what do they call it, a program officer, I think, for the program to which we applied. It doesn't mean he had an inside scoop or, you know, some sort of connection that would get him to win stuff, but he had a long history of uh, winning NSF grants and uh, he knew how the system worked, like how to write the proposal and stuff. So that was advantageous for us. Now, as you know, um, or probably know, the ODRD has three phases. Phase two is an internal grant to kind of get some um, also do a pilot project or get some preliminary data to support a phase three proposal. Right. Well, Dr. Lee already had all that. Because okay. uh, he had taught, he had developed and taught a fraud informatics course for Penn State, and I think he taught it a couple of times. So we just kind of jumped over a phase two and went straight into a phase three and submitted our proposal to, uh, to NSF. Awesome. So that's the main one that where we have the, a lot of funding. And then after we got that funding, we actually kind of stepped back and did propose and, and uh, get an ODRD phase two to look at um, sort of the, the gullibility of people to fake news. And that project involved, uh, I coordinated it, but really the bulk of the work took place with uh, Aaron Burr's team at A&E. Um, and we have a report that they put together um, about what they found. It was it was interesting. It was int a lot of interesting work. Brought in a lot of you know psychology and that sort of thing. So those are the main things. We're now he and I are talking about another phase two, which would deal with um, they're called deep fakes. And he's doing his work has changed from fake news because. Fake news is sort of becoming an old hat, if you will, in the research world. Sure. Um, and it's looking more at using machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to identify uh, deep fakes, which um, basically it's, you know, creating an, an image or replacing an image uh, where somebody, there's, there's a popular one about President Obama where he is actual picture of him and they replaced the, the, the vocabulary, what he said and the way his mouth moves. It looks very real. And he's saying something that, you know, is completely off base. So right. that's what we're going to start looking at um, in this next phase too. Okay. So is it how to, how to spot that, how to identify it, how to help people yeah. understand that as it, well? Yeah, it will. <clears throat> right. It'll still, the way I look at it. And of course I have, 
a social science perspective, and, and Dr. Lee brings in the computer science and information science perspectives. Um, but the way I look at it, we're going to be looking at the, the susceptibility, again, to things like deep fakes and how people might identify those things. Um, we haven't fleshed out the entire proposal yet, so okay. we're still talking about details, but that's essentially what it's going to be about. Okay. Hey, Tiffany, tell us a little bit more about the um, study that you guys did, you, the second one you, you talked about, um, where you looked at two different groups of users and looked at whether or not they were gullible to fake news. So how, I mean, just kind of give us a, a brief um, description of maybe how you chose those groups and, and how the study went. All right. So um, that project what we were doing, Dr. Lee wanted to create um, a machine learning tool that enabled people to basically test, um, you know, to see if they were susceptible. We put together, or Aaron's team put together uh, and a survey, a test, which I'm not sure, some kind of instrument. <laughs> and they used uh, 10 images or tweet or tweets um, and people who took the survey needed to identify whether something was real or fake and we collected demographic data on them to see if uh, there was a characteristic or more than one that would say this group based on our research seems more susceptible to fake news to you know to sharing or resharing fake news. Um, and, you know, because a lot of a lot of fake news is propagated through like Facebook and social media. Mm -hmm. And people see it, they have some sort of, you know, like emotional reaction. It, it, it either, you know, it sets them on fire for some reason or it really agrees, it supports their own arguments, what have you. Mm -hmm. So they share it with all of their Facebook people. You know? right. And, um, it, that's how, how what he was studying was, is there a way to determine if a, a group that meets certain characteristics is in fact more susceptible and therefore will be more likely to share um, that information. Now, this project was only to go that far. Uh, it wasn't to answer that question. That is a follow on. So again, with phase two uh, ODRD grants, it's an internal grant and it's meant to create a pilot project. So we did our part, or use part was to create the instrument and run that instrument, that survey, and do all of the data crunching and come up with the susceptibility scores and and uh, provide that report to Dr. Lee so that he and his graduate students uh, could then move forward developing a machine learning tool. Now, what has happened, uh, at least in part with that, is Dr. Lee and another colleague of his at Penn State applied for and received a grant to take part of what we did, part of the results that we did, and move forward with developing that machine learning tool. Um, that grant, they just won, so there is no, there are no results to share at the moment. Um, but basically, you know, ORU's work fed into a grant that they won, um, you know, to develop, to build on, on the information that we provided to them. 
Gotcha. So, Tiffany, and again, that was that that project was run predominantly by Aaron's group. Okay. A and E. Um, I just my role was to be the principal the principal investigator and basically manage the project. Okay. Um, understood. Is there Tiffany in the work that you've done um, with fraud informatics and fake news? Is there? Do you have a sense of? Is there a specific age group? Is there a specific, you know, demographic at this point? Um, is it too early to tell? Mm-hmm. Like, who's more vulnerable? Who's more likely to? Um, well, the most vulnerable group is just like with with most, you know, frauds. Uh, it's elderly people. Um, now, they may not be as likely to share stuff via social media, but they are more likely to be susceptible to it. Okay. Um, and part of that is just, you know, technological developments. Um, and, you know, they're, they're still novices or they are novices. Uh, even people in my age group, you know, we are novices compared to uh, millennials, for example. Right. Uh, so it seems, and this is just, this is, conjecture really uh it's not proven or anything like that but it seems that you know pretty much the older you get the more susceptible you are to the new types of frauds that are coming out um at the same time though there's evidence to suggest that um people who are in college are also very susceptible Mm. Um, the the reasons for those things are unclear okay i mean there's a lot of, of research being done uh, dealing with, you know, age groups and, and susceptibility and the why, uh, why people are susceptible. Um, and, but that, that from what I've read, that has not really been um, confirmed as, you know, this group is the most and then this group is the second most. And, you know, I don't think they've been ranked or anything like that. Okay. And the psychological issues behind that uh, are still being explored. Gotcha. Um, and when we're talking about fraud informatics, just to kind of go back to kind of the first research that you talked about. Um, We're talking about, obviously, I I think anyway, beyond social media, we're talking about um, other messaging, phone calls, you know, that kind of stuff. Is is that what you would include in fraud informatics generally? If that's a much wider sort of pool of data, resource, you know, sources of information, et cetera. Right. Well, um, okay, so fraud informatics is a term that Dr. Lee came up with. He has coined that term. Okay. In his work, he focuses completely on social media. So if you take fraud informatics to be what he defined, mm-hmm. then it would be social media only. Okay. However, the concept is much bigger. He acknowledges the concept is much bigger. And one could certainly add in different types of, of communication, you know, like the phone calls, uh, the robocalls, that sort of thing. Um, into fraud itself, because it is. It is part of fraud. But the way he looks at it and the way he studies it, his focus is completely social media. Okay. And I assume as you're sort of ramping up for another um, grant application, I mean, this is work that you're going to continue doing, um, you know, with with deep fakes and then, you know, whatever – God help us, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever comes after that, <laughs> right? Right, yeah, <laughs> so, right. I mean, de- you know, deep fakes is pretty scary stuff just from, 
what I've seen and, and, yeah. um, yeah. you know, people believing. It's very scary. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to be able yeah, to, ma- I, to manipulate what's already out there. It's very, um, 1984, <laughs> <laughs> you know, very, yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. It's scary. Um, and intriguing. It's very, it's very interesting research, you know, because it brings in just all different disciplines and it is definitely a multidisciplinary, uh, area to study. Right. From a, Social media user perspective, what do you recommend people do to, I guess, uh, you know, avoid or understand deep fakes and, and misinformation, disinformation, that sort of thing? What, do you have any thoughts on what social media users should be doing to avoid those kind of traps online? Uh, well, I don't think avoidance is possible, but I think um, the biggest thing is to ask a question to pause because social media, you know, it's, oh, that sounds cool. Press a button or press something and it goes. Right. You know, it sends to all of your Facebook people or all of your, you know, Twitter followers. Or I would recommend uh, that people really just pause. Take a second or two before you say send or, you know, retweet or what have you. Because if you give yourself a second or two to think, hmm, is this, you know, is this just something that supports my, you know, belief system or it sounds so crazy that I just, you know, it's funny. Um, If you give yourself just that second, you may decide this could be fake. Now, there are also tools available. Okay. You just Google, you know, for like fake news identification and stuff like that. There are tools available. They are rudimentary right now, but you can simply Google, um, you know, fake news detector, for example, and it'll pull up some. And you can copy and paste, um, you know, a website or a title. It depends on the, on the, um, the tool itself. And it gives it gives you sort of a rank on this is say seventy percent fake or thirty percent true or you know it gives you sort of percentages or stuff like that. So it doesn't say with absolute certainty this is completely fake. Um, so as a as a user, you can do that. Um, okay. Most people are not going to do that. I don't think because <laughs> it requires an extra step. And you know if you're in social media and you're you know. It, it's fun. It's entertaining, and you have you just have a um, maybe it's a habit of just you know retweeting or posting sure. it to all your Facebook friends or stuff like that. So that would be my main thing: is pause, just take a second or two before you you know send something out. And for, with ORU, it's a lot like um, you know dealing with the phishing exercises uh, in email of you know if you see it something that seems like a fish, then you could send an email out to everybody say, this seems like a fish, don't click it. Uh, you know, at the same time, as a user, you could also, if you're one, if you're a user who, who like myself, who takes the second or two and goes to, uh, you know, different sites to see if this is true or not, um, you know, then you can correct somebody uh, on Facebook to say, hey, you know, this I know you reposted this, you know, it's fun, it's interesting, but it's actually not true. Um, You know, just to educate people, uh, for example, 
don't know, me personally, my, my stepmother has a tendency to do that. And I always go look at, you know, whether something is true or not um, and let her know, hey, this is this post, you know, this information is false. It's not true. It's actually this that, and the other thing. So all I'm doing, you know, is sort of educating her. I'm not saying, you know, she's wrong or silly or whatever. And I'm not saying don't do this anymore. I just say, you know, that's not false. You might want to take a second to think about it before you repost. Um, so sometimes, you know, just gentle suggestions <laughs> and fact checking for people who, who tend not to fact check. Um, but I think also with fake news, as I mentioned, is kind of becoming old hat as far as research. And sure. it's all over the news. Now it's turned from fake news and misinformation is all over the place to more, okay, it's still all over the place, but now it seems like news medias are talking a little bit about suggestions on how to combat it or how to identify it. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, everybody's learning at the same time and, and, and you know, the, the news media and other popular information venues are now providing people with, you know, sort of a heads up, almost like a public service announcement of before you share this, you know, check this out or, you know, look at it with a bit of suspicion. Um, so there, I mean, there are things out there, but basically it, it's awareness and just pausing for a second okay. um, to try to and avoid reposting. Right. So good advice for anyone who's on social media and wants to share what sounds like wonderful information, but (laughs) may not, (laughs) may not in fact be entirely correct. Well, Dr. Tiffany Connor, thank you so much for spending some time with us and we look forward to hearing, we look forward to hearing more about your work. And I look forward to learning more about my work. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you all. Sure. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU, and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.